welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is Dr. Anthony Bean. He is an amazing person. He's got some amazing projects in the work, and a really cool couple books that are that are already published. Uh, so I'm really excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Dr. Anthony Bean. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. My pleasure. So, can you tell us a little bit of your your background like your twitter bio or whatever <laughs> oh yeah absolutely so i'm a licensed clinical psychologist here in the state of texas i run three businesses soon to be four uh, here in the state of texas a private practice a 501c3 nonprofit, a geek therapy training uh, webinar series which helps uh, clinicians learn to be geek therapy trained and also we're probably going to be starting a publishing company this year that is amazing man i didn't even realize how busy you were i knew you were a busy dude with a lot of uh moving parts and pieces but i personally am just a huge fan of that intersection between kind of geek culture and and therapy and connecting all of those pieces that you love about pop culture to your actual life and using those as as a common language you know with a therapist or with other people who can help you figure out your life and you know figure out how to how to cope with stuff and make progress and it's awesome and you've you've kind of uh, been working on some books in that vein the one i first discovered you through was uh your legend of zelda book which i love the subtitle uh linking our world to the legend of zelda series but the book's called the psychology of zelda super cool it's it's a beautiful book i've read it it's fantastic i would definitely recommend it to people out there um, and I hope this is a new trend. Like I remember growing up, bookstores always had like philosophy of Batman and like there were like philosophy of series, but psychology of, I think makes a lot more of an impact on human life. You know, philosophy is so abstract and it's fun to think about, but it doesn't really have that much of an impact on every single person. But psychology absolutely does. Hands down. So psychology and philosophy are, are really actually similarly linked religions in there as well. And so they uh, they work really, really good with one another and are able to really explain not just concepts, but a whole bunch of other shenanigans that kind of make up our entire <laughs> life. That's awesome. And, and your book before that was working with video gamers and games in therapy. So what, I mean, in a nutshell, what can games help with in therapy? Absolutely. So the games themselves can be super, super helpful to help understand ourselves, immerse ourselves in culture that uh, is based in life. We can take the different characters that we play as, and we can actually utilize those in a therapeutic context to understand ourselves, understand the people around us, and be able to manage a, a lot of our own coping skills if it's used in the right context, whereas a lot of people like to think that as a uh, negative valence to uh, gaming, um, if you actually know the, the games pretty well, you can do a lot of really, really cool and great things with them that will be able to help influence the individual playing them into being a better version of themselves that's such a cool thing and if if any of the audience is interested we've got a lot of cool stuff to plug specifically for the doctor being here but also there's a podcast um that i listen to that's how i found out about you which is psychology of uh, video games podcast with jamie madigan and his show delves really deeply into a lot of those topics of people's perception of games versus reality and kind of making the science behind it uh, more palatable to the layperson like myself. Uh, it's a really interesting interesting show and it, again kind of over, overlaps a lot of the stuff that you do whereas you go into a lot more 
detail in your book, you know, it's a deep dive between where does psychology and Zelda intersect. His podcast is kind of an overview of a bunch of different people and different studies within the space of, of video games. Um, but yeah, so we are here to design a Zelda theme park, which uh, I've been looking forward to for so long. Um, been doing this show for, I think, four years now. Yeah, four years and like three months or something. And Zelda's been on my list since the very beginning. There's only a few more topics on my sort of original bucket list, so to speak, that I still haven't covered. Um, but I'm excited to keep growing that bucket list, but it's also exciting to uh, finally scratch one of those itches that I've been having for so long. Absolutely. So I assume that you have some connection to the Legend of Zelda series uh, in your own life. Is that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. The, the So the whole idea behind uh, playing as Link is that you actually play as an orphan no matter which game that you play. And playing as that orphan is superbly helpful to understand who we are and it's one of the reasons we gravitate towards him and the game because you become something greater than anyone could have ever imagined and you went through all of these different losses all these other things and you come out with being the savior of the the entire uh, kingdom in a lot of them or the world right for me, it's always been something to, to gravitate towards and how can we utilize these things in a positive light, but also what connection do we have to the, the games themselves? Very cool. And I think something that I love about the Zelda series is that it's so much about progress um, without needing too convoluted of a story because all video games make some kind of progress. Like you go from one level to the next, so to speak. But in Legend of Zelda, it's largely about finding new methods of traversal and unlocking new skills basically and there's a really cool metaphor for education which I come from the world of education so that really has always meant a lot to me of you learn this new tool and then you can go back to the same old problems and solve them in a more efficient way just like in Legend of Zelda once you have these these tools like the hookshot or whatever some tool you can go back to an earlier part of the world and it makes exploring it a lot more exciting so it's just kind of cool it's seeing progress and how you can interact with the world in more meaningful and more efficient ways as you develop personally. It's not just because the story's moving along with or without you, or a cutscene's going to trigger just because you got to this area. Like, I feel like this game has a more direct connection with with player agency and making personal progress that's not just story-driven, but kind of you-driven. Which, yeah, I don't know, it's a, it's a great series, and uh, I also really like that the Legend of Zelda series is not uh, always the same. Like, every game has similar tropes and similar things that happen, but... They're set in different areas, they have different characters, they're in different points in the timeline, which has now been constructed, this Legend of Zelda timeline, because you're not always the same Link. You know, all Mario games, it's the same Mario, but every Zelda game, most all of them, you're a different guy. You just happen to have the same name and kind of the same fashion sense or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. It's like a myth that is repeated through the generations and you know, because every generation needs a new hero. There's always some kind of issue going on, but there's always someone, some orphan who can step up and save the day. It's a, a really powerful series and really exciting as a fan because it's not just going to be a rehash of the past game you just played. In designing a theme park, like there's you know a lot of different things we can go into, whether it's rides or if we want to talk about kind of interactive areas, the the new 
cutting edge or next generation type stuff where the park guest gets to have some interaction with the story, whether they take the role of their own Link, which I think might be a little weird having thousands of Links run around. At once. It could be really entertaining, uh, though, if it's, especially like if you you have them all having a Master Swords and they're just destroying the pots <laughs> that are trash cans. <laughs> right. I mean, you could do like the... I don't know, the same kind of storyline that's in a lot of, like, mashup games where, you know, these heroes are plucked out of different timelines and they're all mashed together and every single one of them is Link. Like, that would be pretty weird, but kind of cool. They do have different art styles. They're they're uh, diverse enough, although they are pretty similar. They're essentially, re- you know, a new uh, manifestation of the same character. But I don't know. I do like the idea of giving the park guests some amount of agency kind of like link has or we have as link playing the games um whether that's impacting a story or kind of unlocking their own tools like we were talking about as the main mechanism for legend of zelda of finding a new tool and then exploring kind of an older area and making progress there we could do a similar mechanism in the theme park you know where you once you go on this ride you're given this tool and you get to use that tool to go to this other area it could be a way of of kind of giving some guidance to people exploring the park. Um, I know most theme parks you can go wherever you want to, but most Legend of Zelda games have this kind of lock and key mechanism where you unlock this door to find that new key and then you use that key to get through the next door and there's kind of this interesting um, pattern to it where you end up going back over the same areas and kind of interpreting them in a new light, using your new skills and finding more additional tools and stuff so we could do something like that i know it's not exactly a typical theme park but what are your thoughts on doing something like that yeah i think we definitely should should do it where you have to pick up certain bits and you have to torture yourself by going through it's a small world but instead (laughs) it's navi going hey listen hey listen hey listen (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i really like navi who who is like a a fairy for those who don't know um who's kind of a tutorial so to speak um, she'll pop up and tell you like about your new your new items. It's kind of like Clippy in Microsoft Word, um, where a lot of people uh, think she's a little annoying because like I know how to play this game already. <laughs> Quit telling me what to do. Uh, but I there is a cool aesthetic there, and if if you're gonna have to tell people the rules and uh, you know tell them to keep their arms and legs inside the ride vehicle, you can have Navi do all that stuff, like all the little annoying kind of administrative or uh you know we just have to say this to everyone like hey at least theme it so it's it's navi hey listen and uh going through her her spiel on safety or whatever i think it could be amazing (laughs) yeah i think that's really fun and and with digital technology you know she's just kind of a cute little orb with wings it'd be pretty easy to either use projectors and have her like fly all over stuff or just use screens i think that's a fun way to do it That's, that's pretty cool Hmm. But, uh, so yeah, if we want to have kind of a Legend of Zelda experience, right? And, and theme parks, my favorite thing about them is you get to kind of walk through like a fandom, like it's a physical manifestation of this media. You know, usually you get to watch it on TV or play it as a video game, but at a theme park, you can actually walk through it or any kind of themed entertainment. So I think just trying to be faithful to it, but also make it interactive and fun for the person um, instead of just having a bunch of roller coasters all named after, you know, bosses from Legend of Zelda, we can go a little bit farther than that, I hope. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many different things in this game. It's kind of hard to figure out where to start. You know, there's there's collecting tools, there's collecting like 
the musical instrument, which allows you to also uh, traverse the world and impact the world in a lot of different ways. And then there's also the big, uh, another big thing about this game series is there's always kind of like a duality type of mechanism of, you know, light world, dark world, um, past and future. There's a lot of times where these games have some big, basically two worlds that are overlaid somehow. You know, either you experience this world as a child and then you time travel to the future and experience it in a more post-apocalyptic way as an adult and then you can go back to the child. But you're going to have to like crawl through a wall like you have to do an Ocarina of Time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in order to get there. I like that a lot as, as basically making the, the method of switching between the worlds as accurate to the games as possible or going to the Temple of Time. And then it spins 180 degrees, and when you walk out, you're going to the other theme park or something. <laughs> like, it's going to have to be two different theme parks. Like, obviously, we can't make our park guests travel through time, but we can have two theme parks that look very similar uh, on their foundation and then just change the finishes on either one to be, like, this is a scarier version or this is a future-looking version versus that's the past version. And Link is typically the connection between the two. I think that's where his name came from originally um so yeah it'd be cool to do something with that i don't know do you have a preference on doing light world dark world or is there like a certain duality that you really like exploring for through zelda i'm i'm really kind of up for for all of it but the the thing that i was thinking of really hard over the last couple days was we totally need like a slingshot one that is like majora's mask style where it's just slingshotting people <laughs> to the moon <laughs> wow that's amazing and Majora's Mask is such a fascinating game and a really cool art style um, and dang there's another thing we can have people collect is the different masks mm -hmm. what's the story reason for the masks do you remember the masks were to be able to help people move past their, their different stages of whatever uh, portions of either grief or their life that they were be kind of being held into. But it's also for, for Link to kind of get an idea of the, the difficulty of transitioning from childhood to adulthood and being thrust back to childhood with all those adult uh, memories as well. Yeah, so it's a really interesting psychological concept. And in the game, there's just all these cool masks that you can collect that kind of allow you to do different things. Just there's a lot of metaphors with masks, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff you can do with those um, as, a, as a method of self-expression or getting into a character and kind of hiding yourself, um, both of which are really fun and themed entertainment type things. You know, either if you're handed a character or you get to create your own character, almost like a role-playing game, it's kind of a cool way of, of doing that. Um, by collecting a Zora mask, you can kind of play as a Zora character, so to speak, which would be really neat because there are a lot of cool different races within this this world. Not everyone has to be, you know, I mean, they're all humanoid, but not everyone has to look just like Link. Absolutely. And I think that uh, you would only be able to get to certain parts of the areas if you had a certain mask or had collected it as a token or something, maybe like or pins or something like a like a Pokemon pin. <laughs> a badge that is awesome collecting different badges because having a big huge backpack full of masks is not really uh useful for most people we would need so much storage next to the roller coaster you know everyone puts their purses in the little box everyone's gonna have these gigantic like mask salesman bags on that's not good um, <laughs> but pins or it could be digital which is boring but yeah i like that a lot and that allows you to get access to these different areas um which yeah that's that's really fun, because it is cool to see how these other cultures live in the games. 
um, you know, like going to like the Zora like water park area, which that could just be a water park um, from Ocarina of Time. All you have to do is have the Zora mask and you get access to that area. I think that's really cool. And it helps us with the issue of uh, needing our park guests to fully change their costume and like try to look convincingly like Azora. Um, that's going to be a lot of work, but they can just have a little pin and we'll say, okay, we'll treat you as if you are Azora. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, that, that solves a lot of logistics there with the... Uh, Go catch a fish in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. That was a mechanism I was really fascinated by for some reason. I don't know if it somehow connected to like my love of pokeballs from pokemon of just having this thing that's important to you in a little container something about that my collector's mentality or something really latched onto that as a kid but the bottles you can go catch fish or catch fairies both of which will be useful later on and you can even fill it with like potions might be kind of a cool thing to to do a metaphor of maybe of um different items you can have if you have an empty bottle then here you can have a refill of this item man that's that sounds really cool and i know it's kind of a lot on the front end of the podcast of us talking about like i don't know logistical stuff but once we get through logistics we can get into the actual world a little bit more favorite thing to do in the legend of zelda are there certain parts that you want to kind of make sure we cover like things that mean a lot to you i would probably have to say across all of them would be the horseback riding with the bow and arrow that is awesome and that could definitely be an attraction um i do think archery is a really big deal that's one of my favorite parts of of breath of the wild is fall flying through the air and then like going in slow motion and shooting something with the arrow it's a a super cool experience yeah so yeah that's fantastic and it could be kind of like a a gallery shooter in a way it's like a galloping gallery shooter where you're riding on horseback probably not a real horse but maybe a mechanized one i don't know how you'd want to set it up but definitely some kind of challenging ride around and shoot stuff and you could make it just a ride where if you don't feel like also carrying a bone arrow and playing it like an arcade game you can just Take it as a way of riding around this pretty, you know, area um, and exploring the world. I don't know if it'd be VR or with, like, big screens or something. Although I guess it could be an actual physical attraction. I mean, riding horses isn't the most dangerous thing ever. Um, another thing that might be cool, if we're talking about having an, an, a vehicle-based thing where you're, well, a horse isn't really a vehicle, I guess, but you're riding on a horse, you're shooting with a bow and arrow, uh, what if we set it up to be almost like a, well, I don't know if this is a common thing in theme parks, but the local one in my small hometown had this kind of tank attraction where there'd be two people in the same vehicle. One person is driving and they're sitting kind of low in the vehicle. And then there's a turret up on top and someone else is sitting in the turret, turning around, shooting, uh, tennis balls at the other tanks. <laughs> we could do something like that where someone is like driving a guardian. Instead of a guardian, you could do like one of the little bomb things that just like go like this at each other. You have to aim them like laser tag. <laughs> right. I think it would be a, a matter of maneuvering around, turning a little bit, and shooting. Like, and then you could do horses and archers versus guardians, uh, which could be kind of cool. Uh, I don't know how exactly we would do it. I think it's easier to make a mechanical version of a mechanical character versus a mechanical version of a horse, which is a little weird. 
oh hey we could do the um that weird dirt bike from uh breath of the wild <laughs> uh, the master cycle zero could just be that like you ride on a dirt bike and shoot a bone arrow wait that sounds really dangerous actually because a horse is at least not going to fall over while you're distracted with the archery part whereas the dirt bike will not i'll go on autopilot for you <laughs> i mean it, so- it sounds like as long as we have enough insurance we're fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all hypothetical yeah. man i'm getting bogged down with you know injuring and killing our park guests but if this is all hypothetical they'll no one will get injured it'll be they'll perfect. be fine they'll be fine come on <laughs> no that is really fun though doing some kind of little combat type game we could also do something with sword play uh whether it's like with a wiimote kind of controller mechanism because um, link is you know pretty big on using the sword as a, as a main offensive weapon oh it could be like beat saber which is a vr game um about swinging your swords your controllers in time with music we could do something like that where you know at the right time when this guy's about to hit you you can deflect it and then you can hit him or so basically a timing based arcade game almost um could be in vr that's a pretty easy throwaway one but that's the way to do it we could even just put a skin on beat saber there you go and and (laughs) it's like the little optorocks are just like shooting crap at you yes i like that that's (laughs) great and that could be part of a training area too i really like in uh the wind waker there's like a sword master who teaches you about different sword techniques as you progress through the game. So having that as, as part of like his training area would, would be awesome. Uh, the hook shot is one of my very favorite, most iconic tools from the series, which might be hard to do in a theme park, because if, if anyone doesn't know, it's an item you aim at something and it launches like this long chain with a hook at the end, like a arrow at the end, kind of, and you can grab onto stuff and get pulled up to that area. So it's it's almost like you know Inspector Gadget's like go go gadget arms or something. It just lets you traverse around a lot. Um, it would be hard to logistically do that in reality in the theme park, but I think it could be a cool attraction of some sort. I don't know if it'd be like a ropes course, um, which those are basically set in treetops. There's like little platforms among a bunch of trees. You climb up a ladder to the first one, and then there's either going to be some kind of like playground style, uh, difficult terrain to get across to the next one, or there'll be a zip line, or you'll swing on like a Tarzan rope Something like that. Uh, that's a real piece of entertainment that exists in our world. But we could do one of those that's largely based on the hook shot, uh, which that could be a cool one. I'm wondering if there could be like some sort of Nerf gun involved with it, where if you hit it, then it like opens drawbridges or something along those lines. Oh yeah, very cool. And that there are sort of um, switch-based puzzles. Like I'm thinking of a, of a link to the past right now, where you like shoot an arrow or throw your boomerang and hit this switch on the other side of a big chasm and then a bridge will come across that kind of thing would absolutely work yeah i like that that, that makes more sense too because then you could actually physically hit the switch over there um whereas hook shots don't really exist and it'd be hard and complicated to make one so just have them throw a boomerang or shoot an arrow at it and then they can actually hit it i, I think that's really cool maybe we'd have an area that's like more real more physical and less um suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. required 
you know, almost like it's a, a big obstacle course or something where it's really physical stuff you're interacting with. You know, shooting uh, the little eye above the door to get the door to open, that kind of stuff, using your set of tools, your bow and arrow, your uh, boomerang, Some of these, Some of these would totally have to be kind of like a laser tag thing where if you hit it, it then would then like switch and then the doors would revolve and all like that. I think it would be high tech behind the scenes, but to the the player or the person going through it, it would feel more, more real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point though. And then if you're using like uh, kind of more high tech stuff, you could do bombs as well, which are <laughs> a classic icon. Um, but you don't want the park guests to accidentally drop one while they're in line. And then everyone gets blown up. Um, but if you throw one across the bridge to hit that enemy, it can, the enemy will react as if it, you know, bomb went off or whatever. That'd be great. Cause that's the thing I always loved about Zelda too, man is when you see cracks in a wall and you you hit it with a bomb, there's like a hidden cave back there. Like, God, that's the coolest thing ever. Escape room. There you go. Yeah, an escape room would be awesome. Yeah. Where you can you can theme it really well. Everything's really designed. Because the park guest doesn't have a ton of agency or the person going to the escape room, they can't do literally anything they want to because they're confined within this room with the items they have. But among those items and those verbs, you can be totally creative and do exactly what you want. And maybe, maybe there's different experiences you can find throughout the park. There's like just cracked walls at the end of an alley or something. And then you can go, you know, hit that with one of your little fake bombs or your little Nerf basketball or whatever. And it just opens up all of a sudden and you can go in there and maybe that's a new escape room experience. There's so many cool uh, locations you could set that as well. Like you could be in Jabu Jabu's belly or <laughs> basically any of the temples you could do as a smaller scale version in an escape room type thing. Totally be done. We could totally do this. The Divine Beasts would be a really cool escape room, um, which if you haven't played those, they're, they're these giant robots, basically, these ancient magical robots, um, and you need to climb through them in the game, and they're pretty complex. There's a lot of puzzle solving, moving pieces around, and um, it's basically the, the version of dungeons within Breath of the Wild. Um, so we could do those as escape rooms as well. Like you're inside of this great beast and you have to move around all these different components to make the door appear, which, I mean, they are basically like escape rooms, I guess, just with super large scale puzzles. We'd probably need to simplify them a little bit, um, but paying homage to them and using those, you know, using some water as a mechanism in one and using electricity as a mechanism in another, man, we just need to hire some escape room designers because escape rooms already like the ones we have at present day are already so good some of them um we're just putting a zelda theme on them would would be perfect we can totally totally make this stuff happen Maybe in that physical area we were talking about, the kind of obstacle course thing, um, we could do sort of a sneaking section. There's a, a part I really love in The Wind Waker where there's like spotlights going around and you have to kind of sneak around and not get caught by the enemies. And then you'll get to a point where it's like, finally I can go inside. There's not going to be those spotlights chasing me anymore. But then there's monsters you can try to sneak past or you know take down in combat, but that's a bit more of a challenge. So I like the idea of doing a sneaking around one and um or maybe that one like in that game you're also 
in that same area, if you get caught, you get put in this little jail cell and you have to find a way to escape from there, kind of crawl around. And I just think it'd be so fun to have an area like that where you get to crawl around and like escape. And it's like a playground with a story and with a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. And playground sounds a little childish, I know, but, but Hey, uh, it's for the child at heart. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And that also could justify why you don't have your weapons. Like, why can't I just throw a bomb at this guy? It's like, well, cause you got arrested, you got caught. So they took all your weapons. (laughs) So that gives us that moment of taking away the power from the player and saying, you got to figure this out the old fashioned way. Are there uh, certain things you think we should make like a roller coaster out of? The Dongo's cap. Cool. And that way you can kind of go up into the top. You can kind of go into the bottom. You go down to the lava. It looks like you're going to get hit. And then like you can have like a giant uh, <laughs> giant one be like Rawr, like this. Or, or it could be the when he's in the uh, adult form and being the fire temple. That's super cool. I, and I love those experiences where you're on a roller coaster but it's kind of set up like it's a boss fight Mm -hmm. um so maybe the the people riding the roller coaster also have their bow and arrows and they can like be shooting at the the creature the whole time because it's it's a you know a battle no one else is going to take it down except for link man i think that'd be so cool and yeah using the lava using some like pyrotechnics how fun is that okay totally be done real real easy yeah that's a fun one Another one we might do for a roller coaster, there's uh, these big flying dragons in uh, Breath of the Wild. I know the the ride vehicles might break the immersion a little bit, but hey, you want a roller coaster, you got one. Um, <laughs> and it's just riding on the back of these these dragons as they like <laughs> fly around. So you get like um, kind of a forced perspective thing where it looks like you're flying over the kingdom or Hyrule or whatever. Um, that'd be so cool. Yeah, it could totally be totally be done in a lot of different awesome ways oh you could do a a ride based on the king of red lions which is the boat Mm -hmm. from wind waker um and there's a bunch of cool boats in wind waker you could actually have you know, each ride vehicle is a different boat and you get in it. It's like a log flume type ride with or without shooting stuff. Maybe we could make the shooting part always an option. Like if you're a total like archery head, you could be, you could bring your bone arrow on all the rides. <laughs> Sounds really dangerous uh, at this point, but remember everything's going to go perfectly at this theme park. <laughs> Everything's uh, <laughs> going to be great. We're not worried about it at all. Or it's just a laser tag um, bone arrow, you know, where when you pull back the string and release it, it launches an arrow in the direction you're pointing it. Problem solved. <laughs> like we always say on this podcast, um, punching is not okay, but blasting something is. Well, I mean, we're we're gonna have to definitely have some some pots, but that are got to be break broken that are gonna be like in a, a mini game somewhere. That's really fun, and and that could be yeah. a way of finding some of the collectibles. Like, it'd be really fun as as someone who worked in a theme park. You're like, okay, so this is supposed to be a pretty rare mask or or a collectible for them to find. We we're gonna put ten of them out every hour. So you just go throw them in empty pots in different parts of the theme park, and maybe someone will come break these. We would definitely need an on-site uh, ceramics division to just be pumping out more pots all the time. 
Because a big part of the game is just rolling around smashing pots. Like, any game where you give the character a sword and they are going to explore a world, it's like, we better give them something that they can break without uh, actually, you know, hurting the, their chances of success in the future. So just some fun disposable items. You know, they're going to be breaking into everyone's house anyway, so why not also give them something of theirs they can break? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're definitely going to have to have that option in there. That is a weird thing about basically every video game is if there's a house and the door opens you should definitely go in there because you might find a plot uh required item just in some random person's house like it it's really weird um tradition but it's there we got to kind of embrace it and uh yeah we'll just be careful to make sure all of the doors that can be opened are okay for them to open like the behind the scenes areas need to be really well hidden <laughs> like yeah i don't know how we would do it exactly but we can expect all of these links to be trying to get in every door and smashing everyone's pots i'm just thinking that like also you could have doors that they could kind of come open a little bit and then like have bosses behind those doors where you'd be Ooh. like oh crap i gotta close this really fast or like slams the door on them yeah wow having a mechanized yeah that's really cool or even if it's like uh, they don't have the right tool to get through that area. Um, where like in Breath of the Wild, when you first start the game, you can go right to the final boss. You'll just absolutely get destroyed. Like there's almost no chance you can win. But No no chance you're going to be able to get through that door. <laughs> right, exactly. So our way of doing that, instead of just killing our part guest when they go to the wrong place like they do in the games, uh, we would just slam the door on them. Like have it be so that the door has a security mechanism where it looks like it's going to open and then you hear like the monster yelling or whatever you hear like a pyrotechnic go off and then the door like slams that's that's a really cool technique and then you know if they try it three times in a row uh navi will pop up and say hey uh you don't have the right mask to go through here or you don't have the right tool to go through here uh so people just don't spend all day trying to figure out why this door is broken (laughs) that's a really cool mechanism i never really thought about that um, but it's a way of, of kind of gatekeeping. And I do think that's something that would, would feel right in this theme park, uh, and give people a feeling of exploration without having to make the park infinitely large, um, where you can, when you first start, you can go to these three different areas, which don't require any weapons or any tools or any training. Um, but then once you've chosen one of those, you kind of start to develop your skill set and your ability to reach other parts of the park. So it's got almost like a branching, uh, storyline type of thing you know if you go the archery route there's going to be certain gates that open before you and if you have the goron mask there's certain gates that open before you and so it, it takes um, some exploration and maybe a few different visits to uh, to really find everything because you kind of have to choose a specialty in a way there can totally be a whole bunch of different things that can be can be done in all sorts of different areas for this stuff it's a huge uh, blank canvas with a ton of interesting different inks from all these different games. Like, there are so many different moments that we can turn into an attraction. Even something simple like in uh, Breath of the Wild, you can, like, snowboard on your shield. <laughs> like, that could be a whole part of the park. A snow portion of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can do snow bowling, which you do in that game. And we've got the Zora Water Park. Um, maybe the Gorons could have, like, a bowling alley or something. <laughs> I really liked exploring their their town, actually all the towns in Breath of the Wild, just because they're they're realized in a much more authentic way. Because the game is so much bigger than the previous uh, iterations, mm-hmm. it's so cool to see like the set design and see how these people live and their culture, 
And it's all really well thought out, um, which is something I really love about Avatar The Last Airbender, which is that each kind of area has its own culture. Legend of Zelda absolutely does that too. So just having the art design be unique for each race's culture in their town, you know, the Gerudo village um, is going to be sandy and have kind of a Middle Eastern type flair to it. Um, So it's going to be really cool and engaging to travel to the different parts of the theme park because it really feels like you're in a different culture. You're in a different part of the continent. I love that. It could be a a good way of kind of transitioning you through the journey where you don't even realize you're going through it. So kind of like how Ikea has obviously has arrows and stuff like that, (laughs) but it'd kind of be like a a way be like, oh, you know what? You need to now go get this fire stuffed in order to get past the... (laughs) the uh this this dragon over here therefore you have to traverse through this town and figure out the puzzle so like even every stage of it could be considered like a a puzzle solving not necessarily a full uh, escape room but more of a you've got to do these types of tasks in in order to get forward in that capacity i love that uh it fits totally perfectly with legend of zelda that was always something kind of iconic about the first game was it's so much about you can go wherever you want to but you're not you don't know what you're looking for necessarily that was such a big like playground game um for for talking to other kids like how do i what do i do once i get you know these i got these boots like what what do i do now or um just figuring out and like bombing every single panel of every single part of the wall because one of them's going to have some kind of secret behind it um it's such an interesting thing to to kind of try to feel your way through this world and figure out how to solve this meta puzzle, the bigger picture. And I love the Ikea metaphor. I think that's fantastic because it is really well thought out so that everyone kind of sees everything. Mm-hmm. And we could definitely set it up in the in a way inspired by that. I think that's genius. Because there's so many different like art styles and eras and generations of when these games are set it might be kind of interesting you know if, if the main part of the theme park looks like breath of the wild we could have certain areas that have a, a style that looks more like legend of zelda wind waker or you know any of the other art styles um could be represented within like one-off attractions or little areas of the park um i think that'd be really cool because i like the diversity of the different art styles like, I don't want them to do an HD re-release of everything where it looks the same. Like, that'd be super boring. Um, but it'd be cool to, you know, pay homage to the eight, the 8-bit original game um, and Zelda 2 and, you know, all these earlier games with different art styles. It'd be cool to be able to do something with those, you know. Most of these games, at least a couple that I can think of, start with kind of... When you first start up the game, it tells you sort of the mythological, like, the history of of this world and tells like the story so far generally it's about some kind of bad guy rising to power for some reason but um they have these really cool almost like tapestry style or like woodblock print art style these these kind of um anthropological looking you know ancient art styles that are really fascinating and i think it'd be cool to either just sell those types of things in the gift shop um, but also maybe they could be customizable in a way where you're kind of setting up your own little uh, like comic book page almost of like, here's what happened in your story. 
and it tells the story of you as the great hero. Um, you know, if you chose the archery path or you chose the the bombing path or whatever, it can kind of have these pieces they slide into the right place, and the artists who are printing out your little poster will be able to grab your data from your phone or whatever and be like, okay, here is your customized story. You know, we've only ever printed two others that look like this. It's like a very unique thing because it's your actual choice of how you chose to explore and which bosses you won against, which ones you lost against. That'll determine your overall story. I think that'd be really cool to have a a memento that's not the same as everyone else's. Like it, it tells your story. How do we do Lens of Truth? That's a great question. Oh, I mean, like, so I've actually been to a, a museum here in Texas, and the way that they have it is they have just this empty space here, and you actually have to use one of their, um, like, pads, and you have to, like, search around it like this, and so it creates that VR style. Cool. Where that could be, like, a that Lens of Truth uh, status. That's awesome. That's a really cool way of, of seeing beyond what the eye can see um that's a great idea and that could fit in with the uh the shika slate from the one that's on nintendo switch they have all these different tools in that game that are kind of based around your kind of gimmicky video game controller so link also has one basically which allows him to use it like a camera and do these different functions we could have shika slates which can give you that access to those kinds of tools Um, and then that could also allow them to have more physical engagement with those things that might be too dangerous to actually give them Mm -hmm. like you know instead of throwing a nerf basketball at something to bomb it maybe you look through your sheikah slate and hit the bomb button and you can see it augmented reality style you see the bomb get thrown at the thing and then you see the cracked wall explode whereas it might not be a physical effect you can see with your human eyes but by looking through the shape the sleekish (laughs) (laughs) slate you can actually see the really cool effects happen um, because it's you know an illusion or whatever, like our reality is an illusion, or there's some magic spell that's been cast on all of these links so that they can't see the truth on a lot of things. So that that's a cool story way of of making it why aren't all of our effects practical? Um, they are practical. You just can't see them actually. <laughs> You've been cursed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then your story becomes about uh, maybe like restoring your vision, in addition to the traditional Zelda tropes of of increasing your skill and learning more about the world and exploration it's also about giving yourself you know better sight or whatever are there any other like iconic things to you that you feel like we really need to touch on i mean the food we definitely need the food the food and the drinks are you picturing stuff from breath of the wild for the most part it could be kind of like that or kind of like potions and stuff the bottle of moo moo milk um (laughs) the oh that's great um there was uh, another idea of they as soon as they enter the park, they're giving the most useless thing, the compass. Um, <laughs> and they're like, good luck. <laughs> Congrats. They're like, where does this go? And you're like, we don't know. I do think it's fun in those games where the treasure, like the treasure chest, will, it, they all look the same for the most part. So it might be something really amazing or it might be one rupee or the compass. Like, uh, it's, it's kind of funny that 
the treasure chest can be kind of a, a comedic delivery thing if someone's going in there expecting to get a new mask and it's one rupee it's like oh okay so that's like finding a penny basically mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that a lot because uh, yeah we have the, a lot of chances to give our part guests stuff which is fulfilling and has that dopamine go off a little bit you know uh people who are really into like blind boxes or whatever mystery boxes of opening something and that anticipation um i think they'd be really happy here because you're going to be opening a ton of chests and finding some stuff that actually grant you new abilities and abilities to access different attractions and different parts of the theme park i love that and the food is a really cool Mm -hmm. one too there's a cooking system in breath of the wild which is really cool um, and I think you could make some really nasty tasting stuff if, if we gave that freedom to our part guests. But maybe rather, uh, I don't know if you would want to have them find a pin that is the carrot or it's like some kind of food ingredient. And then they can take that to like the food stand and someone will make them like a stir fry that has those items. Or if we just want to have the restaurants have dishes inspired by Legend of Zelda. I mean, it could you could do kind of both ways easily. I don't know if you saw the the thing we posted on Facebook recently of uh, Gordon Ramsay uh, doing uh, with Link with like one of the things where it's like, it's edible, but you really probably shouldn't <laughs> yes. eat it. It's like pixelated. And like Gordon Ramsay is like yelling at Link and Link's just crying <laughs> there so next funny. to his fire pot. Yeah, I love that. That's such a funny part of the game. Like if you make food that's so bad, they have to pixelate it so you don't see it. Such a strange concept, but it was really... There's some good jokes there. I wonder if we'd want to include um, Amiibo as well, which are these little statue toys that can unlock stuff in the game. Because those are a cool collectible item that we have in our in our world. You know, We could at least sell them in the, in the park, but they could also unlock some additional things. Um, just because they're, they're really cool. They're really high quality, and they represent a lot of different characters from the legend of zelda universe so maybe if you get the the high score in one of the challenges you get the amiibo as a prize um i also really like the like mailboxes um especially in wind waker there's a really interesting kind of postal part of the game which i was really into for some reason but i think just having mailboxes throughout the theme park where it's like i don't know where to go next it can kind of give you a little challenge of like uh, maybe a, a little simple go to this area and you'll get this thing um, because I don't think everyone's going to be able to engage on in this theme park the way that you know a, a true gamer or whatever would would be like super enthralled with where they're like I just just tell me what to do and I'll go do it um, or you know you can open up the mailbox and there's like a letter addressed to link and it's like oh hey that's me um, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> everyone says that but it's like you know there's a cool attraction if you like this kind of stuff here's a place where you can do that as just kind of a way of finding your way around the park without having to show a directory um, everywhere. Although, we could just give the park guests a map, I guess. That might be helpful. Oh, their, their Sheikah Slate could have one, where it's just like in Breath of the Wild. It's pretty blank at first, but as you visit different parts of the park and you get to the areas with the really beautiful views where you can see everything, it unlocks that part of the map for your on your Sheikah Slate. I know that technology integration allows a lot of magic to happen but i also think having people use their phone all the time is kind of an annoyance because then they also want to check their email and like they're pulled out of the immersion but if Mm -hmm. it's its own device hopefully uh it's a little bit more engaging where if you feel this thing vibrate you're like oh that's a notification for my sheikah slate like that's for real like hopefully my phone's on silent but my sheikah slate notifications are relevant and like will engage me more with this world
I'm really happy with it. This could look like an amazing place. Yeah, it's starting to come together. We didn't get too much into it, but the light world, dark world, or however we want to do that, I think that could add for some really cool story elements. Um, especially like in A Link to the Past, the first time I was like feeling like I was getting kind of close to the end of the game or something, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. Now I'm in this whole other world. Like I thought I was like getting ready for a final battle or something. And I'm just in this other world and like, I don't know, it's, it's so cool to pull the rug under people and like surprise them with, oh yeah, there's a whole, there's a, a second world basically. There's a whole nother thing you can do here. Um, and you just try to figure out that mystery and it, it just adds so much complexity and nuance and so much excitement too, because the whole thing can kind of be a puzzle. If you're like, wait, why is, why is this building look like this in, in the light world, but in the dark world, it looks like that, like What's the connection there? There's so much room for storytelling, too. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, anything else that you want to throw into our, our to-do list here? we got to figure out like a petting zoo with, uh, choco- uh, with the kookaroos. <laughs> I'm just worried about the animal abuse of people like trying to hit them with a sword. <laughs> trying, trying to fly yeah, with them. <laughs> trying to jump on the roof holding on to the what, – what are they called? Kookos? Kookaroos or kookos? Kukos. I don't even know how to say it. But the chicken alternative um, in this world, <laughs> oh man, the food, uh, if you go to like get chicken wings or whatever, you can... Uh... <laughs> You're like, this was Bob. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad. You can go pick out your own from the petting zoo. Oh man, that's dark. Uh, <laughs> yikes. But yeah, I like that. I like the engagement with nature. Um, because something that's kind of cool about Ocarina of Time, for example, is just spending time with a horse and like some chickens it's like you kind of get a little bit of barn life going on which a lot of people don't get in reality um i had chickens and horses growing up so i'm kind of used to that but i know that in this game it's like man this is kind of cool riding a horse is kind of a cool thing um it'd be be neat to do like the lawn lawn ranch um area and you just can kind of see some horses and do some horse based stuff i don't know if they want to do obstacle course necessarily but like learn how to ride a horse around the circle or whatever. London Ranch could be like the actual food place. That makes sense. And then, yeah, you can get the milk. The potions can be different, like drinks, like soda type stuff. Um, and then also, we were talking about the bottles. If you have like a fairy, like, you know, maybe you bomb a wall and you find that there's a fairy fountain back there, you can catch a fairy. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be a pin or how that's going to be represented, but you can use that as like, a second chance like if you lose one of the games it's like well you died but i can take your fairy pin and you can try again um that's what it's used for is like an instant you know revive you don't have to go all the way back to the checkpoint so yeah mm-hmm. that, that could be something <laughs> uh, i like the idea of like the different towns kind of having restaurants um and different kind of slower paced things you know where if you don't feel like running around this world all the time you can take a break and just kind of hang out and you know play a board game or something like take it easy there's these kind of tents in breath of the wild where there's always a lot of people just hanging out and like sleeping and you could just kind of have like a cool little hangout area can totally totally be done yeah yeah so much of this i feel like is within the realm of possibility and who knows maybe if uh the nintendo you know, Mario experiment goes well with Universal. They'll do a Legend of Zelda one. I think that could be really cool. I know reality is never as fun as the ideas we come up with on this show, but uh, I think it's getting better and better with technology. You know, the 
next generation of theme parks is going to look something like this, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, I would agree. That's all that I had to contribute as far as stuff that I absolutely would need to see from this world. But hopefully the audience has has ideas for what we can add to this theme park. And feel free to hit us up on social media because we're always looking for, for more ideas and, and feedback. Um, the show's called Amusement Sparks. If you want to look it up on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, that's always helpful. And we're at Amusement Sparks on social media. But you, Dr. Anthony Bean... What can our audience do to further engage with you? Well, I am on social media and lots of different uh, areas, such as Twitter, Facebook. My Twitter main Twitter handle is at Video Game Doc, and we run the Geek Therapy Training website. Yeah, what is that about? I haven't heard a ton about this. So yet. we basically got uh, five to six main people who are in. Uh, psychology and other areas of, of working nursing stuff like that and we got together and decided that like we would very much like to uh, standardize this idea of geek therapy since we're using it so much in in a capacity where we can uh, train people on how to use these types of uh, different things let's say video games and therapy dungeons and dragons in sort of therapeutic context we do mental health representation uh, but there's also other things that they don't seem to teach us in school which is how do you start your own business how do you run your own business and when when we do stuff like that it it's sink or swim is pretty much what it is and i, I can say that with a the nonprofit that I run has has taken off. We have 19 employees, and we're continuing to grow, and we're looking at buying a building very shortly. And so, I mean, it's just taking off if you know how to do these things appropriately. And so we, we always want to make sure that we are doing them in a physical responsibility, but also how can we help manage a lot of these different aspects of teaching people how to use these things because it's like we we use them every day in clinical practice but when you talk to people they're like yeah you know i i, I do geek therapy like yeah you know i do D and stuff i'm like great you know this is fantastic what, what do your modules look like what do they what do they kind of do and we don't have answers for that and so what we're like oh you know that's that's really cool but maybe we should have some sort of standardization plus when we try to submit to, to journals we we always get some pushback to where People are like, well, you know, it's not a real thing. And we're like, mm, actually, it is. And we definitely wanted to make sure that we uh, manage that and, and bring this forward into the 21st century of legitimizing the entire field of geek therapy. That is so cool. And I feel like, I don't know, people should be able to connect with their, their therapists and have at least certain things like a common language with them. And I feel like geek culture is such a strong thing and such a rich database of, of metaphors and connections and inspirations um, where if you know if you both have that matching pin that says hey I'm kind of a geek it's like oh my god me too like we can really have a good connection here and help make progress through your therapy like I don't know it's such a cool thing oh, yeah. to be able to to proudly show that as one of your things and to be able to find a, a connection with someone um, it's important we've been able to do amazing amazing stuff with 
with people and being able to to manage it in a, a standardization that's super super helpful to to like bring out the best in people like i've had kids who worked with legend of zelda and using their hylalian shield to combat depression and anxiety we also do D D for um, managing social skills or anxiety and depression and a whole bunch of other things then we have also talked to our clients about to manage their anxiety utilizing a special avengers or just so much like going in with tony stark you can literally do the what we call the ego self access across all of his from iron man one to end game of, of him differentiating himself in a in a capacity where it is super super useful and the url for anyone interested is geektherapytraining.com that is correct. It has all of our past trainings on there and all of our upcoming ones. It's such a cool thing that you're doing. Like I'm so excited that this exists. You know, I feel like the future is so bright because we have people who are making these kinds of things. Like, hey, I wish I had had this, you know, growing up, or I wish I had this when I was in college or whatever. It's like now I have this. This will exist from now on. Like, how cool is that? I don't know. Progress is such an amazing thing, especially if you can. You start something from scratch and then maintain it. It's like that is just a thing now. It's an institution that wasn't there before. It's incredible. Well, we we are the only ones that also have uh, like national accreditation um, to do this type of stuff too. So like when people take our our trainings, they can actually get credit for their licenses or stuff like along those lines to take these trainings, which is just a another way of us legitimizing the entire aspect of it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. I'm excited about this theme park. I think that was a ton of fun, and it's it's been great catching up with you, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. 